ladies and gentlemen, those of you from this world and the next, it gives me great pleasure to present the Satanic Player Society, traveling sideshow of the Macaw. Join us as we bring you wonders from the abyss, pros from the shadows, and tales of horror and madness. Now, it brings me great joy to introduce tonight's performers, each bringing their own skills and talents to the show. Please be standing and give a round of applause for... Andrew, the ventriloquist. This skilled man can put his voice into anything. <laughs> your friends, your family, your cold dead body. Citizen horror, the two-headed wonder. One head is female, the other male. But they take full ladies and gentlemen. For when this devious duo come together, your mind will be irrevocably desecrated. Erin, the equestrian falter. Witness the perfect union of woman and stingy, leaping and jumping for your enjoyment. Not one to be taken for granted, folks. She will quickly trample you under her feet if you engage her. Gregory, the psychic. Come with him and gaze into the mystic portal. He can see your future. He can see your past and present. He can also foretell your doom. Heather. The bearded assassin. Behind the shadows. Lending in the background as she stalks her prey. Each braid of her hair weighed down with a deadly weapon. You will never see her until she is too late. So make sure, my friends, that you don't end up on her list. Rachel, the dragon lady. Her skills are as tough as steel. Her claws sharper than a lemon blade. But that is not the most terrifying thing about this lady. The fire she breathes can turn a person to ash in mere seconds. Welcome, one and all, to a wonderful new year. In this show, we celebrate the works of one of our resident authors, Rick Allen. First of all, I'd like to congratulate Rick on surviving the dreaded horror that will be forever known as 2016. A year that extinguished so many bright stars in our lives. It is good to know that you are still with us and we can look forward to your future works. Now to begin this evening's entertainment. The following is a collection of our stars, prose and poetry. Sit back and enjoy. Fruit. Notches. She is waiting. And soulmate as our author brings you tales of nature and love. She has jogged this path along the edge of the forest so many times. Throughout the changing of the seasons, and at many times during the year. Always feeling so safe and at one with nature, the autumn air upon her face. Running along the perimeter of these woods with no reason ever to fear. As she glides upon this path, her nose picks up a heavenly scent, a fragrance of something that is sweet something that is an unearthly musk. 
So she turns off of this well-trodden path, one that is familiar to many feet. She goes into the copse of the trees as the day slowly turns into dusk. The scent gets stronger as she goes deeper into the darkening wood. The dense dead leaves crunching under her feet as she continues her frantic pace. She does not realize how tired her limbs are as she stumbles over exposed roots. Her breath becomes more labored as beads of sweat form on her blushing, heated face. Her eyes are protruding and unblinking as if hypnotized by some unheard of sound. Her brain is filled with only one thought, to seek out the nature of that phantom smell. But her body quickly gets weary from the trek and of the trees gathering so closely. So she sits down at the base of one. How far she has gone, she cannot even tell. She is trying to catch her breath as she is panting, her heart beating like a drum. So she lays her head against the bark and looks into the branches high up above. She expects to see dead limbs like all the other branches in the trees that surround her. But these limbs are filled with the greenest of leaves and red fruit, the color of love. She realizes the scent is all around her. She has found the origin of that heavenly odor. She is memorized by the glow of the plump fruit as they light up the encroaching night. So she reaches up to pick one off a hanging branch. It feels so erotic in her touch. It is warm and heavy in her tired hands. Her mouth waters at the expectant bite. She bites down on the warm skin of this mysterious poem. Her mouth floods with sweetness. It is the most succulent thing she has ever had. She cannot compare it to another taste. She is unaware of the branches that are lowering, draping their limbs over her shoulders. She does not feel the thick, dry branch as it lovingly wraps itself around her waist. She lets out a shriek as the strong limbs pull her up into the dark leaves of the tree. She cannot breathe as they wrap themselves around her in their tight, dry grasp. After a time, the screaming stops as the multitude of the many leaves engulf her. She has not the strength to fight back as she surrenders to one final quick gasp. Everything then turns still as night comes. Not even the insects make a sound. No one is there to hear as the wind blows through the forest with a moan. The days that follow, this tree will continue to flourish no matter what the season. 
if someone were to look very closely where the fruit was picked, another has quickly grown. You were suave in your ways, a face like Adonis, a hair never out of place, no blemish upon your skin. Confident in your demeanor, you made every woman tremble. They obeyed your every request. To deny them would be a sin. Your smile swept me off my feet. It didn't take nary an effort. I was yours at first glance. You knew that it didn't take much. I wanted to be the air you breathe. I worshipped wherever you tread. I wanted to taste your lips against mine, the tenderness of your touch. fateful night was full of passion. You took me like a savage beast. <sighs> My body was like soft clay in your hands. You molded me to your every desire. Then the days and nights wore on. Your glaze lost that fiery glow I adored. You rejected my every gesture of love my presence you began to tire I watched you as I frequented the taverns courting others by your side you paid handsomely for some privacy to chambers I have never known my heated passion changed its direction I knew then what must be done. My love for you was like water, but now a different seed will be sown. I used your suave ways against you. Promised debauchery to bring you to bed. Tied you firmly to the bedpost whispered, this is the night you will always remember. Those harlots were just notches in your belt, just whores that you loved to conquer. I have notches to give you of my own. As I place my knife blade against your Stiff member. She is waiting, crouched on the floor, a trembling figure covered in gore, clutched in her hand a cold crimson knife. She has relished this moment, waited her whole life, shivering and tense, her mouth a bloody grin, caring not of consequence, caring not of sin. She remembers the time, his warm gentle touch, of candles and kisses and flowers of such. Now, later every night, smelling of whores, once whispered in her ear, now yelling about chores. The bed they used to lie in, 
was comfort from life's stone. The caress of naked flesh, their bodies were so warm. Flesh entered flesh, she loved him so much. Now a bruised, crushed breast, a hard, dry thrust. She came from the kitchen to the bed where he lay. With every plunge of the knife, the blood a fine spray. After she dials the phone, she waits for them to arrive. She has never felt so free. She has never felt so alive. Now she is waiting, crouched on the floor, trembling figure covered in gore, clutched in her hand a cold crimson knife. She has relished this moment, waited her whole life, shivering and tense, her mouth a bloody grin, caring not of consequence, caring not of sin. I lie next to her, her form is a highway of flesh, hollows and hills, travel for many a mile. I caress her face, run my finger down her cheek. Every time I take this trip, I never cease to break a smile. Her lovely blonde locks, like tresses of liquid gold. I run my hand through them, fine like a spider's silk. Her pale, soft shoulder, unblemished by the ravages of time. I touch my warm lips to it, a sweet taste like mother's milk. My arm encircles her waist, like a snake around the sleeping prey. I feel like I found home, like reaching an island in a sea of mist. Her lips part slightly, her ivory teeth like a glow of the moon. Every time I press my mouth to hers, it is like the first time we ever kissed. I will let her sleep now. In her dreams, I will be with her still. Dreams of the times we had and all the passionate things that we did. We will resume our love tomorrow. Our romance will begin anew. I whisper to her how much I love her as I gently close the coffin lid. Well, we hope you enjoyed that little collection and it left you with a warm, fuzzy feeling inside. And now, on to our main performance of the show. It brings me great pleasure to present a true tale of horror and madness, with an equally exceptional musical score created by lovely Sarah. Ladies and gentlemen, please be upstanding for Kitchen 151. timing was perfect. He was calling me. Don't you understand that? He knew you were going to show up. He knew. But you spoiled it for me. Fucking spoiled it. You don't think I'll try it again? I've been planning this my whole life. My whole goddamn life. I'm his chosen one. You all think it's easy. I felt the pangs. I felt the want. He wants me. 
I'm to be the only bride he chooses. Do you grasp the concept of that, you assholes? You all think I'm just some crazy bitch, one of those fucking goths or a crazy devil-worshipping broad. Ha! What a joke! I was goth in my teens. Hell. Hell. Who hasn't been a rebel in their teens? I'm sure you assholes were, too. Don't fucking judge. I know my place in this shithole called Earth. I've known for a long time. I just don't advertise it. Everyone advertises how they are so goddamn special. Everyone has got their own shit-stained religion. My God is right. My God saves. My way is righteous. I kill you because my God says so. My God doesn't think your way is to life is right. What a bunch of crap. He is the only God. That's not what those idiots that play Black Sabbath will call him. Playing with a Ouija board will not call him. Cutting yourself in a circle of chalk will not call him. My friends, the ones I used to have, thought they were so cool to try that. Them with their false prophets and symbols. What a bunch of morons. I know the way to call him. I know how to call him. The power of the human will. It's an amazing fucking thing. I finally figured it out. That's all he is. A power of will. That's what he wants. More will. That is all our soul is. It is will. I was prepared to give him my will. What do I need a soul for? I'm sick of this piss poor world. His is the only way. Oh, now I get that look from you. Yeah, I've seen it before. My boyfriend gave me that look a few times. You'd have loved him. He was a oh, scary goth. <laughs> it was just an image, though. I had that image for a while. Uh, I got tired of it once I knew the truth. You want to hear the story? Sure you do. You'll probably record and listen to my story again while jerking off with your little limp dicks. I know how all you so-called doctors are pervs. Listening to it again and again while your cum dries in your fist. While your porky wife takes care of your snot-nosed brats. Whatever. Ever hear of an artist called Goya? He once did a painting of my prince. A long time ago. I saw that painting in a book when I was ten or so and I was mesmerized by it. He was so beautiful with his horns and hooves and the others around him. I used to look at that picture for hours. My asswipe father saw me looking at it once and beat the living shit out of me. 
It's 100% Baptist where I come from. Fuck. He was pissed. Didn't stop me from finding more pictures, though. I used to go to the library and look up anything I could find on him. He has gone by so many names. Each one more beautiful than the next. Look on the internet. You can find any fucking thing on the internet. But that one Goya picture, that was my favorite. I had it taped on my wall in my room, on the back of the door, so my Bible-toting fucking parents couldn't find it. I'd stare at it for hours. My lazy-ass boyfriend got a kick out of it for a while. He thought I was obsessed. There were a few times when he was fucking me on my bed that I'd look at it when he was laying on top of me, pounding his cock into me, not noticing I was just staring at his eyes and imagining his cock inside of me, filling me up. I closed my eyes right when I knew he was going to come and pictured his hot seat filling me. I had some good orgasms that way. (laughs) Shifting in your chair, I see. Getting a good boner, Doc? You'll love this then. One day, when I was reading my book with the painting of him in our backyard, a perfect, cool, crisp autumn day, one of those days when the clouds are few in the sky, I was just sitting on my back porch. My dad was at work kissing ass like usual at the insurance company. My mom was at some Bible group or another. I was just sitting there, reading more about my life with my God, and I hear a thump behind me. I turned to see what it was, and on the ground, right outside my window, twitching around, was a sparrow. Stupid thing must have flown into it. We have that happen occasionally. We've had all sorts of animals cross our yard with farms nearby and such. Where was I? Oh yeah, well, the sparrow hit the window fucking hard. Neck cocked all the shit. One wing spread out in a bad way. Did not look good for the tiny Tweety. Not at all. Then I had a thought. Listen. I had to put it out of its misery anyway, so I was thinking about my books. They said they used to give sacrifices in the old days to my god. Maybe I should give it a try. Let him know I have a little offering for him (laughs) to show him how much I love him, you know? Well... There's this old shed in our backyard. My dad rarely goes in there. It has the lawnmower and crap in there, old tools. So I grab my book, pick up the twitching sparrow, and go to the shed. My father never keeps it locked. Always the trusting soul. Knows all the neighbors by name. Great PR that way. Well, I opened it. I could smell old lawn clippings and gas and musty and dark. 
So I clear a spot on the floor and kneel down, open my book to the page of him, and lay the book down open so I can see him. I didn't have anything to draw with to make a symbol on the floor, you know, like a pentagram or circle or whatever. It was all kind of a quick decision. Sometimes those are the best. It doesn't give you time to think. Just do it. I laid the sparrow down beneath the open book and looked for something to do the job. There's an old red toolbox on the shelf right above the lawnmower. Rusty thing. The hinges creaked and flaked as I opened it and started digging through the greasy, rusty tools. I found an old razor knife. Do the trick. One of those metal Stanley ones with the retractable blade. This is the part I think you'll like, Doc. Get that boner ready. I kneel down, hold old Tweety down with my left hand. His little black eyes were kind of glazed over. I felt his little heart beat beneath my hand. My hand was shaking a bit, too. I thought I should say some sort of incantation or words that my prince would like, but then again, I, I wasn't ready. I just did a quick slash across its little neck, and it spasmed a bit, opened its little beak, and then the blood flowed. All the time, I was just looking at that picture. You know what? so wet. I felt the tingle you get when you are so turned on. It hurts. I felt my nipples get hard and I did something really nasty. I started rubbing myself. I was watching little Tweety twitch and I put my hand down my sweatpants and rubbed my clit. Fuck, I was wet and I came in a few seconds. Shit. My boyfriend never got me off that quick. I was rubbing and watching Tweety's wing flap in the blood, and I looked at my prince and came right there. You want to know something else? Something that made me hold my breath and stop right there? The pages of the book sort of fluttered. No shit, they moved. I was just kneeling there with my hand down my pants, staring at the book. I could not believe it. There was no breeze in the shed. I was inside it far enough for there not to be. My back was to the open door. It was just me, the faint light, Tweety, and my book with the awesome God. Then it hit me. He heard me. I willed it. He liked my offering. Holy shit. That freaked me out like no other. I got up, grabbed the book, bird, and blade, and got out of there. Carrying everything in my arms, I ran to the house like a schoolgirl carrying her books and late for class. <laughs> I went to my room threw everything on the bed and shivered like a motherfucker thinking what the hell just happened I've never been so excited and scared in all my life 
I cleaned up my book. I'd gotten blood all over the cover and a few of the pages. I put the sticky, limp bird in a plastic grocery bag and placed him or her, what does it matter now, in a garbage can outside. I went back in and washed up myself. I even washed up old Stanley Blade as best I could and put it in my medicine cabinet. I didn't know what else to do with it. My heart was still beating like crazy. I took off my clothes. My panties were nice and wet. Talk, I bet you love imagining that. And I took the hottest shower ever. Then I got to thinking, if a small sacrifice did that, what can a bigger sacrifice do? <laughs> I love the look in your eyes, Doc. My boyfriend gave me that same look. I asked him about back in the good old days when they used to do the sacrifices and orgies and stuff. He said that it was all blown out of proportion. It had been a misconstrued... What the hell did he know? He just spent most of his time stoned or hanging out with his friends or fucking me. I didn't tell him about Tweety. He wouldn't have understood. I didn't do anything else right away either. I'm not like those crazy serial killers that just start out with small animals and shit like that. That's fucked up. I mean, it was dying anyway. I had to put it out of its misery. So, a few weeks later, my boyfriend came over. It was late at night. My mom and dad were out doing their socializing shit. I was stoned again and wanted to get hot and heavy. God, how I hated when he got like that. I mean, his friends don't smoke that much. Hell, a few of them don't even drink. I think it was about time he started growing up. I told him that and he slapped me. I was shocked and pissed. He started apologizing like a blubbering idiot and I told him it was okay. Then I looked at the picture on my door over his shoulder. Those eyes. It was like he was staring at me. I felt my heart race. His eyes like he was waiting waiting for me to do something I stopped and turned around I had to think I didn't want my boyfriend to see me looking at the picture but I still felt his eyes burning into the back of my head then it hit me I gasped <laughs> my boyfriend probably thought I started crying or something he came up behind me and wrapped his arms around my waist and apologized again I'm so sorry, babe. Don't cry, babe. I just stood there frozen. He started kissing my neck all the time with more of this I'm sorry shit. My back was still to him. I was as stiff as a board. And judging by the bulge in his pants, which he was rubbing against my ass, he was too. I forced myself to loosen up. I had to relax. The whole time, I was telling myself to think and to hold it together. I told him I had to wash up and went to the bathroom. 
He sat his stone self on the bed and waited for me. I sat on the toilet trying not to shake and telling myself to relax. I washed my face, opened the medicine cabinet, and got out the razor. I stared at it. I asked myself, could I really do this? I pushed the little button and extended the blade. It still had crusty, dried blood from Tweety on it. Dark, dried blood, like his eyes. I took off my clothes and put my black silk robe on. It was hanging on the back of the door. I'd worn it a few times for my boyfriend. It got him horny when he'd see me in it. I put the blade in the pocket of the robe and walked out to him. He was standing near the bed now, and he looked at me and smiled his little boy smile, like he was about to get the gift he always wanted for Christmas, and said, I'm sorry again, and hugged me, and I hugged him back, tight, saying, It's okay, baby. I led him onto the bed, and we sit there, kissing, his hands were all over my tits under the robe, untying it, not bothering to notice what's in one of the pockets, stoner. I tell him to take off his clothes, and he fumbles his way out of them as quick as a fucking fox. Ha! Men are so easy and stupid. I bet your wife thinks the same thing about you, Doc. So I tell him to lay down and let me do all the work. And he lays down, sprawled out, head at the foot of the bed, while I straddle him, all the time keeping my robe on, but with my goodies hanging out. He loves it that way, says the feel of the silk makes him harder. I start jerking him a bit, rubbing my pussy on his cock as he squeezes my tits. (sighs) Damn, he was always so rough. Wham, bam, no tenderness. What the fuck did I ever see in him? Well, I raised myself so he can shove his cock up inside of me, and I lower myself on him. He groans and closes his eyes, loving it. I'm surprised he's as hard as he is since he's so stoned. I put my hand in the pocket of the robe and feel the blade. I don't know if my hand is shaking from the anticipation or from the feeling of his cock inside of me or both. I look across the room from me and see the picture of my God. Eyes so dark. The blackest of black. I start getting so turned on. I'm wet as fuck as I ride him. Both of us are panting. He's thrusting up into me as I grind down onto him. And we're doing this for like 15 minutes. And he pinches my hardening nipples and I tremble. And his head is turning back and forth. And the veins are standing out on his sweating neck. I swear I saw a little grin on my prince's snout in that dim light. I am sweating and cold at the same time. I keep grinding as he's thrusting faster and harder, 
and I can tell he's going to shoot a load any second. Oh, baby, I'm going to come, he shouts. As I take the blade out and slash his neck, he lets out a shout and thrusts up hard inside of me. Fuck! The blood! Right when he does that thrust, you know what happens, Doc? I orgasm the hardest I ever have in my life. The blood is spraying everywhere. He's jerking under me. He puts his hand to the side of his neck and tries to roll off the bed, but I have his stone sorry ass pinned down. My pussy clamped on him as he jerks back and forth. He can't scream. He just lets out a gurgle as his eyes open wide. He finally jerks to the side one more time and pushes me off of him. And we go tumbling onto the floor together, both of us covered in blood. He gets up and tries to run to the door, all the time one hand pressing on the side of his neck and his blood is pouring and pumping out all over and down his chest. I sit up and scoop myself back against the wall of my bed and my robe, all black and red. I'm scooting myself along the blood-covered floor as he stumbles toward the door. He grabs for the doorknob, but there's so much blood in his hand that he can't turn the knob. (laughs) Isn't that hilarious, Doc? He falls against the door, face first, right into the picture of my God, and slides down to the floor, twitching and spasming the whole time. He still can't scream. He just makes this funny throat noise as he slides down. He lays there, half on the floor and half on the door, and while I stare at him, shaking like a fucking leaf as he twitches. I sat there for about an hour, watching him. Both of us were covered in blood. The only difference is I'm breathing. I am breathing so heavy. I did not blink for like a whole half hour. I couldn't, I couldn't believe what just happened and I look up at the picture on the door. A long S-shaped blood smear going down it, obscuring the face and most of the picture except the eyes. They're gleaming at me. I am so shocked he didn't rip the picture down and then I realized something. There had been no sign from my God that he was pleased. Not like when the pages fluttered in the shed. Did I miss something with everything else that was going on? I I looked around at everything. All was quiet in my room. I half expected my parents to come into the house and start calling me. How the fuck could I explain this mess? But I was still thinking about any sign that he was pleased. Was there enough blood offering? That shit was everywhere and starting to smell. 
I got up to open the window, which was behind me. My whole body was still shaking. Uh, Was I wrong? Did I do something wrong? What little Tweety, the pages fluttered. You would think with a bigger offering that the fucking house would shake. Maybe it did, and I didn't notice with that orgasm and him jumping around like a flopping fish. What went wrong? I gave him my will and my boyfriend's blood. I was standing there about to cry, thinking I was wrong the whole time. My hands were on the windowsill, and I was half naked with the blood starting to dry and cake on my body and my robe. And I heard it. I heard a laugh. A far away laugh. It chilled me to the bone. It was like a child's laugh, but more high pitched. And it was like nothing I ever heard before. Was this the sign? Was that a laugh of pleasure, or was he mocking me for fucking up? My heart started beating like a motherfucker. I turned around and saw my boyfriend just a lump on the floor. It was too dark in the room. I could hardly make him out. Even darker, with all the blood everywhere. I turned back to the window and listened. Was I imagining that laugh? I looked out deep into the night and saw just a full moon in the sky, the shadows of the trees far back in the yard, but I heard it again, laughing. It was in the trees, deep in the trees, and I had to find out where it was coming from. I pushed up the screen and hopped out of the window. We were on the first floor. It's a one-floor house, thanks to my cheap-ass dad. My room faced the backyard, which is lucky. I ran toward the woods as fast as my bare feet could run. It was fucking cold, but I didn't give a fuck. I should have put on a coat or something, but the adrenaline was kicking in. I run through the trees. I could barely see, but I felt the cold grass and the wet leaves on my toes. There was just scattered rays of light from the moon, but I knew he was out there. It was a laugh of pleasure. I know that laugh. When you're so excited with anticipation that it just escapes you. I think I laughed like that with my boyfriend right when I did the slash. I ran and ran, seeing nothing but my frosted breath and the occasional glimpse of a reflected tree, weaving my way through them, stepping on a sharp branch or a stone every once in a while, feeling the cuts and scratches, but not really feeling them. You know, you gotta... I know I was going in the right direction. I just know it. Then I heard it again closer to me up ahead and I ran faster I was hot and cold at the same time the offering had worked my offering to him worked he was pleased and calling me I was coming to the edge of the forest 
I saw a fence. I could barely make it out by the rays of the moon, but it was there. It looked ages old, and it was just a few makeshift boards hammered together. I'd never seen it before. I'd never been this deep in the woods before. I hopped it, ripped my robe, and fell hard on one knee in the process. That hurt like a motherfucker. Large rocks were here and there on the ground around me. And I'd landed on one. I cried out, and then I heard it again. That laugh, it was right in front of me. And so I started crawling over the cold, wet grass and rocks, feeling my way with my hands. I was so close. I was so goddamn fucking close. As I was reaching out to crawl further, my hand touched something. I could barely make it out in the dark. I I froze. I felt something thick and covered with a rough coating of fur. I could barely make it out. I was just frozen there on my hands and knees, touching it and shivering. My breath was clouding the vision of what I could see, but it was a hoof, a big goddamn hoof and leg covered with fur like I've never seen before. I looked up the leg slowly. I'm shaking like a fucking leaf. I could almost make out the fur so dark. It was slightly glistening and almost glowing. My eyes traveled up and up. I saw the outline of the other hoof behind the one I was holding. As my eyes drifted slowly up further, I feel a puff of mist rain down over my face. It was like, just like a cloud of breath. I freeze and stare. Those eyes reflected in the moonlight. They're so dark and so bright at the same time, and they have no expression, no soul. I have never seen eyes like that. It was like looking into a grave. It was him. It worked. Holy goddamn fuck, it worked. My eyes adjust, and I see his snout, just like the painting, so beautiful, wet, cold. That puff of mist was him breathing down on me. My will did it. I summoned my prince. The blood sacrifice worked. He raises his head up and laughs again. I have never in my life heard any laugh like that. It was so hard to describe, Doc. Try to describe a color to a man who has been blind his whole life. Not easy. Where once I was blind, now I goddamn see I fucking did it. I leaned back and kneel before him, raising my arms in the cold, dark night and say, My God, my Prince, my Master, I'm here. I have always been here. My will is yours. My soul is yours. 
I have been waiting my whole life for you. Take my flesh. This blood on my skin is yours. The blood flowing through me is yours. Do to my body what you wish. He looks down at me and puffs another cloud of rancid, cold mist in my face and steps back. Then he steps back again. I don't understand why he would step away. Then I look past his snout and cold, soulless, glowing eyes. I gaze behind him and I gasp at what is a few feet behind him. I can barely make them out. Other eyes, Doc. More cold, soulless eyes. That is all I see, maybe four or five pairs of eyes gazing at me. They're not making a sound. All I hear is the crunch of my God's feet on the crisp grass as he steps back. He brought others. What power my will has to summon, not just my love, my prince, my God. It was such a blood offering that I brought more of his kind to me. I started laughing and crying at the same time. I could not believe it. I was just kneeling there with my arms raised out in supplication for my love. Tears of joy were streaming down my cold blood cake face, and I am the one. My whole life had led to this point. I know what it feels like to be like my God. Then the fucking bubble burst. You all had to fuck it up. I heard a shout behind me and I saw a light flash over my shoulder and I froze. In that beam of light, I saw my prince backing away more quickly to join the others behind him. No laugh. <laughs> no, 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 no. He turns away from the beam of light that is shining behind me over my shoulder. He walks away, no longer looking at me. No, no, this is not right. I was so close, I screamed, Come back! Where are you going? I feel a rough hand on my shoulder shaking me and I hear a voice asking questions that I don't understand. All I can do is see my God leaving me. Tears are running down my face. This isn't right. This fucker touching me is fucking it up. I, I pull away from him and fall to the ground, feeling the wet grass and heavy rocks under my hands. It's not fair. I find a fist-sized rock with my hand and I pull it out of the grass and stand up. I turn and scream as I swing it toward the light shining in my face. I feel a thud like crunch and hear a yell as the light spins away in the dark and all I feel is hate. I was cheated. 
I see that fucker fall to the ground and I just keep swinging the rock, hitting him and feeling the crunch where I think his head is over and over. I'm thinking of nothing but the laugh that called me there and the love that was rightfully mine. Tears are still running down my face and I cloud my vision and <clears throat> I could, couldn't could see the other lights coming toward me. I'm screaming so loud. I, I couldn't hear the shouts of the others trying to pull me off that fucker. <sighs> you all caused this. All of you. My parents, my boyfriend, that fucker with the light. Even you, Doc. You think it will end here. You think I don't have the will to bring my god back. You all just wait and see. All it takes is more blood. More will. I will get out of here. You cannot get in the way of what is meant to be. A love like this will never go away. Just like he will never go away. He has been around forever waiting. He is waiting for the time that is right. And I will be with my prince in time. Just you wait. All of you will see. Statement given to Dr. Thomas Archer from patient number 151, Jessica Miles, age 24, concerning the murder of Jacob Hastings, age 24, boyfriend, and Robert K. Wallace, age 57, goat farmer, on October 24th, 2012, at 12.17 a.m. Miss Miles was a patient at Longwood Mental Health Center until her escape on March 4th, 2013. Her whereabouts are still unknown. Next time. What do you think? Will you let us in?